Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Ghost of the Republic follows Aurelian and Nicholas, who, when confronted by France's conservative surrogacy laws, decide to exhaust their last option by traveling to Las Vegas to start a family of their own through surrogacy. The film demonstrates the extreme lengths many gay couples have to go to to have children, highlighting the ever-expanding and controversial surrogacy industry. And it is about that. It's about family. It's about connecting with other people, no matter where they are, whether they're in Las Vegas or whether they're in Paris, France. Uh, And it's about human rights. What is it that we value most? We value family. And everyone wants that. And so that's what I absolutely loved about this film, Ghost of the Republic. And we're joined today by the director, producer, and cinematographer, and that would be Jonathan Narducci. Jonathan, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Happy to be here. Jonathan, how did this come to you? What was uh, what got you interested in this as a subject? So the the kind of the way I came to meet Nicholas and Aurelian, which um, who are you know the main characters of the film. Obviously, it's a character driven narrative uh, for a documentary. Um, there's obviously some subjects involved with it around international surrogacy and, and some human rights of children that are born through surrogacy. But really, it follows these two men who, you know, have fallen in love, decide to get married and really want to start a family. Um, And um, the way I met them was actually socially. So I was making um, a documentary called Love Me, which I shot in Ukraine. It was about men who were going to Ukraine for um, mail order brides. And I was stopping over in Paris on my way back and forth and just kind of get away from Ukraine and, and, and kind of the things going on with the film and just give myself like a little bit of break and because I have a couple of really really close friends um, that live in Paris and one of these friends um, actually went to school with Nicholas so they went to a graduate school business school together and so I kind of socially met Nicholas um, and we kind of became friendly and you know we'd go around Paris and you know they would take me out and show me a good time I don't know maybe about six months later him and Aurelian uh, they weren't married yet they uh, came to Los Angeles and they came like two times in like a couple of months. And I would show them around Los Angeles where I live and kind of like, you know, show them a good time and kind of host them like they hosted me in Paris. I was like, why do you guys keep coming to Los Angeles? Because it seems like, uh, you know, you can go anywhere in the world. There's all these great places. Aurelian's a flight attendant for Air France. And so they literally can just travel wherever they want, whenever they want. And so they kind of reluctantly, like very kind of secretively told me what they were doing. What they were doing is that they were there interviewing and meeting with surrogacy agencies um, to have a child. And I was like, what, what do you, what, you know, what is surrogacy? What, you know, why do you, why are you here? Like all, all these questions, like, and, and so they kind of like, were very secretive about it because it's illegal in France. And actually it's illegal in most of the world. And so what a lot of people don't realize is that Surrogacy is really kind of an American industry. Um, it used to be allowed um, in India, Thailand, um, and some other, and Ukraine and Russia. However, because of kind of the way that they view um, gay couples in those countries, they've made it illegal for gay couples to go there. So you can kind of, as a heterosexual couple or a domestic couple, use the surrogacy industries of those countries. But 
as a foreigner, it really kind of comes down to either doing it in America um, and it's kind of always changing the landscape. Um, so I know that there's people in Mexico doing it, but if you really want to do it ethically and kind of have a lot of um, transparency with the whole thing and, and they really want to have the desire of, of doing this in the, the most ethical and kind of the best way of doing it, they, you have to come to America, which is much more expensive. And so I was just like kind of blown away and taken back. And I was like, wow, you know, maybe we should make a documentary about this. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after they left, I spent some time kind of like actually looking into this topic. And term Ghost of the Republic came out at me. And I was like, what is this? And so what I kind of learned is because surrogacy is illegal in France and because the French government really can't do anything to discourage their you know, uh, citizens of going to America or Russia or these other countries to do it. What they do is they kind of put a ban on and, and discourage it through um, making the children not recognized as French citizens. Right. And so upon the return for these children, uh, you basically have to sue the government um, in three different kind of lawsuits to get citizenship for your child. And so that becomes like a little bit of a dis Kind of like a way to discourage people from doing it, I guess. I think that's kind of the way they um, view it. Certainly, there's uh, a lot of stuff that I filmed during this whole process um, that's not in the film. I, I shot another gay couple who had a child um, that was about nine years old suing uh, the French Supreme Court, and they actually won that case. And, and so that kind of helped, um, you know, create a little bit of precedent, but like we, they don't have precedent in the same way that we have precedent in our country. And so the way the legal system really kind of just makes people go through a lot of hoops to, um, you know, get the government to acknowledge their children as French or as their own children for that matter. And so um, that's kind of when I, I got really invested into the idea of the film. I started, uh, I, I went out to, you know, Nicholas and Aurelian and, and met with them again and, and talked to them kind of about how I would go about the process and kind of convince them to, to do it. But um, they spent some time and talked to their families and really thought about it. And they, you know, for them, they're not like super big activists, but for them, this was a way for them to contribute to the activism of, you know, gay rights. And, um, and so them sharing their story with me was part of their kind of activism role in, in, in doing this and, and creating change. Yeah. I do want to, focus a little bit of attention on France. Again, it surprised me. And I, I've just thought of France as this kind of forward thinking society. And it just had an assumption that it would just, that wouldn't even be an issue. But one of the things that you mentioned in your, in your uh, response earlier was that, you know, you, you really have to, in order to accomplish what they should be able to do anyway, which is bring their child back into the country as a French citizen, is it sounds like you also have to be a person of means to be able to even think about doing something like this because you're talking about lawsuits and lawyers and those kinds of things. So it's it's an onerous undertaking if you decide you want to do what Aurelian and Nicholas did, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's not something that's very accessible by everyone. And that's kind of where I think the next stage of activism comes into um, play. Basically, because you have to go to a foreign country, you have to go to America, where it's an extremely expensive healthcare system. They don't have insurance that covers this kind of stuff, of course. And so just the process of having a child and yeah. paying for a surrogate and the egg donor and the agency and the travel and all those other things is very expensive. But then you have legal fees when you get home. And so the people that really are able to do this have means to do it. 
Um, in Nicholas and Aurelian's case, uh, you know, it was like a, you know, family kind of, kind of all coming together to chip in kind yeah. of situation. It was very important for them to have, uh, I guess, biological children to some degrees or France, they do, they are very progressive in a lot of ways. And, and I think even, you know, the, the lack of surrogacy in some ways could be viewed by some as progressive. Um, you know, it's, it's ultimately um, less of a capitalistic society, right? So mm-hmm. the way that they look at things is that, this is, that you're paying for the, for the use of the female body and, and that's exploitation and right. that's, a, you know, a form of slavery, right? So, right. so that's the general, like, reasoning why surrogacy is illegal in basically every other country but America. And I think that there's valid things behind that. You know, there's all kinds of horror stories when you go to less, you know, kind of transparent or where there's a bigger wealth disparity between, you know, like an Indian woman who can, a $5,000 surrogacy fee could be life-changing for for a poor woman in India. So, I mean, there's there's upward mobility there, but it's, it's all very, very complex. (laughs) <laughs> right. And we do see some footage in the film of the, these kind of horror stories that you're talking about of uh, of women who are essentially, yeah, just what you said, sort of making babies for for nothing, for they're giving up much of their lives. To, uh, yeah, there def- definitely there's abuse. But by the way, fun fact, Boise, Idaho, here in the United States, is, I think, the sort of uh, ground zero for surrogacy in this country. Um, I just looks like Vegas has a pretty happening um kind of industry going in nevada but um boise idaho of all places i don't know if you yeah there's there's definitely i mean there's definitely little like pockets so even every state by state has different laws in america Mm -hmm. so there's definitely some states where surrogacy is forbidden um illegal like new york state um which is kind of a leftover um kind of situation based on the the baby m case um in the 1980s so right, right. you know there it, it, state by state there's all kinds of different laws and a lot of it has to do with how um the birth certificate is, is translated um in california the it's obviously a huge industry in california i, I would imagine that you know while boise might be very popular for it really california is probably the center of, of surrogacy in the world just because we have so many different clinics across the state and, and the way it kind of is um, it's probably a little bit more expensive, but it's it's really a big um, state for it. But in California, for instance, they do something on the birth certificate where they put the um, gestational carrier is the surrogacy term for the bio, the woman who is the surrogate. And they put them on the birth certificate. And then you have to go to the courthouse to have it amended or changed to put the, um, you know, the intended parents. So in, in Las Vegas, they do this thing called a pre-birth certificate, um, which is basically they put the two um, intended parents on the birth certificate. And so there's no legal or kind of any, you know, record of who the gestational carrier was, who is not biologically related to the child in any way. That's kind of why uh, they chose Nevada. Fascinating. Well, thank you for all of that, because I I think that's very important information for people who are listening to us in terms of just where we are in terms of surrogacy. Surrogacy is one of those issues where science has sort of outstripped our moral compass, our ability to keep a pace with the changes in technology and science and the ability that uh, we now have with CRISPR and you know mut- being able to change sort of genetic makeup of people and all those things. 
it's one of those things that we need to think we need to think deeply about. We need to understand where we are in the world of science as it relates to um, humanity and our ability to have children and families and all the rest of it. So this is thank you for for that uh, for that information. But the I film completely agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It you know that's the thing. Are we ever going to be able to keep a pace of what technology brings to the table in terms of our political, cultural, and philosophical uh, ability to absorb it and to understand it and then to be smart about it, right? That's that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, that's, that's uh, the future. <laughs> yeah, it is the future, absolutely. Well, I want, but the film really um, focuses on Aurelian and Nicholas and their relationship and their relationship to Crystal, who's the woman who is the surrogate, and then uh, Diana, who is the, the donor of the eggs and it's a fascinating and interesting dynamic between certainly between crystal and aurelian and nicholas and and i love that part of the film this their desire to find someone who they were comfortable with they knew something about they had some connection to and the same is true of crystal and the back at them you know in terms of understanding who they are and why they're doing this that was a great part yeah. of the film yeah yeah, it's a it's a modern love story in a lot of ways. It's you know, it instead of a man finds a woman and the woman falls in love with the man, it's two men, right? And they have a different type of love, but without a doubt, they they all fall in love with each other and create a family in in, in a kind of contemporary way. They're very close still. They actually had a second child with um, Crystal since the film's been shot. Oh wow! So there's a lot of yeah. So there's a you know, it's a really interesting and listen. It's totally unexpected too. I had no idea what was going to happen, you know, as I followed these um, men through this process and to see the depth and, and like the relationship that was built between all these, you know, parties who really have very little in common. If you were to like take them from a fashionable, like kind of gay couple from Paris, Las Vegas, Nevada, um, woman that lives in the suburbs, like there's just nothing in common between them. Right. But through this process, they like end up getting so much from each other that I think that they were able to like have a, a beautiful form of love that um, that is really portrayed in the film. And I think by the time we get to this, the birth, you know, we see that that there's a lot of care and, and a lot of depth um, to the relationship. Definitely. It speaks to both parties. It speaks to Crystal and how how dedicated she is, seems to be as a mother and how she wants to do this. She, she doesn't want any more children for herself, but she loves being pregnant. I, I, it's not something I, uh, that I often hear from women, but nonetheless, that's, that's her take on things. And, uh, and then Aurelian and Nicholas are obviously loving couple and they are all about family. That comes across very clearly in the film, how much they care about, their own family as well as their parents and the people in their lives and uh yeah you're right it's a it's a love story in in so many ways i want to just before we go any further i want to remind our listener we're speaking with jonathan narducci he is the director of a documentary film called ghost of the republic and it'll be opening on lots and lots of platforms on november 17th vod platforms on november 17th you want to check this out and uh, anything you want to add well i know one thing i can add you can go to ghost of the republic and that's with a sort of the french spelling anything you want to add to our uh, to how people can see the film uh no that's basically it. i mean it's uh, the first 
you know, a couple of months, it'll be, uh, t- you know, things have changed the way everyone views cinema right now. So um, right now it's going to be in your homes, um, safe in the pandemic, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's basically on every platform you can imagine that you would ever rent a movie, um, iTunes, Amazon Prime, and all the other big ones. Um, it, it, right now it's only available in North America, but uh, we'll be on television and some other platforms in Europe and Asia as well. Well, I think you answered my question uh, just a minute ago, how are Aurelian and Nicholas doing? And it sounds like they're doing well. Yeah. So they are, you know, things have progressed quite a bit. Fight for like kind of acceptance of these children has continued on. Um, There's been a lot of lawsuits. They actually had a second child with the same um, kind of, I guess, team, if you would, um, the same surrogate and uh, with the embryos that were created through the process originally. So they have a baby boy now as well. I believe that Louise, their child, has gotten citizenship. And so things have kind of progressed for them and, and things have, have become a little bit better. And, and I think they feel a lot safer with everything. Does that bode well for their son then? Is it given? The- yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I think the, the tides are turning in France to not hold, you know, there's been government changes since the film, you know, from a kind of conservative government to a much more accepting government. And I think that the the tides are changing to not really put the burden of the parents on the child and to accept them. And so while surrogacy is still not allowed in France, at least it's not being criminally taken like it was um, when they first started this process. Things are a little bit calmer and easier for, for everyone that wants to do this. Has the film screened in France? Has anyone from the general, has there been any kind of reaction to the film or is it just now coming out? It's just now coming out. And um, this story has actually been told quite a bit in France. So there's been a lot of, like, I guess you would call them the typical kind of television documentaries that they have in Mm -hmm. in Europe. They're much more, um, you know, topical documentaries that are are done in, in all of Europe about especially this subject. So this film was really made for the American audience. I think it was just to kind of show like, hey, you know, what's going on in other parts of the world uh, and how this thing that you have here can, and, you know, it, it, it's a globalized film. And, and so it was really made to, um, you know, show the story um, to the American public. It, it will be in Europe um, at some point, but um, I think it's actually gonna be seen by people for the first time in America pretty excited about that. This is a completely kind of um, tangential kind of question, but do Europeans have access to other people's television? In other words, people in France, did they watch any programming from Belgium or from Spain? Because it's a fairly compressed area, right, in terms of the geography of it. And I'm just kind of curious, do do you have access to sort of other countries' television and their... Does that influence anything that goes on in, in on the continent? Is that yeah, a-, a lot? Of, I mean, a lot of the French studios are actually con- uh, studios that are multi-countryed, and they call them co-productions. And so it'll be a lot of times like Arte, for example, which is I think probably pretty well known in America as far yeah. as like coming out with some pretty good docs. Um, th- those are uh, those are French German productions, so they split the cost of a lot of those productions. There's definitely a lot of different kind of cross-border stuff that goes on. And, you know, the Europeans just have a different relationship to documentaries. 
I think here we look at documentaries as a form of social change and entertainment. I think we're, we try to think of them almost as journalistic in, in a lot of ways or, or hope they are. At least that's the way I view it. In France, it's a much more kind of anthropological viewpoint. So there's usually the director telling you their opinion and, and narrating it. It's a simpler form of filmmaking in a lot of ways, but it's, there's a lot of films that are made for documentary and, and kind of, and they're always a little bit shorter as well. They're usually like 52 uh-huh. minutes. So they fit in the one hour kind of time slot. Um, but absolutely. Um, I mean, my first film, I made a, a, a European version basically, and it was in every country in Europe in its 52 minute form. So people watch all kinds of different stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, what's been the reaction of the principals to your film? Aurelian, Nicholas and Crystal and Diana, they, 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 I assume they've seen this. They have. Yeah. I actually, when I got close to, I actually self-produced this. So, uh, you know, it took a lot longer to finish post and kind of, as I made money, I would, it was able to do it actually on the eve of their son being born about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Now I actually went over to Crystal's house in Las Vegas where Nicholas and Aurelian were. And the next day they were going to, you know, go have a C-section and have their other child born we screened the film together and even louise was in the room the baby that is you know the film's about and so i think that everyone's pretty excited about the film coming out i think it's a way for them to they're all very pro surrogacy but i think they're also very proud of the kind of ethical and and steps that they made to do things in a way that felt right you know i think what the film does is it shows a blueprint for how to do this with, you know, a good moral compass. Obviously, it takes a lot of money and resources to do so, but that's really what what they show is that this is how to do it right. And it also depicts a gay family in a very good light and kind of a, a way that we don't usually see. You know, a lot of times it's like when we see, you know, more queer cinema, it's usually on the fringes or it's, or it's kind of fighting against something or and that exists here too but we kind of normalize it in the film and, and just let it be like these are just two men it doesn't matter if they were a man and a woman it would still be the same story and um and so it, it kind of depicts i think or normalizes things in a lot of ways jonathan narducci thank you very much for coming on the program coming on film school radio but also for this wonderful film uh ghost of the republic it's you as i said you can go to ghostoftherepublic.com to find out more about the film and as we were talking about i imagine not too many platforms in the history of the world that that it, you wouldn't be able to see it on jonathan narducci thank you so much for being here today thanks for having me i really appreciate it You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.